Okay, welcome to the UK Scriptwriters Podcast. We're coming to you live from the Children's Media Conference in lovely Sheffield. And a bit noisy because it's uh, obviously a very lively conference. Um, Not full of kids running around. It's worse, everyone. (laughs) It's full of producers and writers. Yeah. The noisiest of people. Uh, so that's 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 the background that you can hear. But yet again, we've got a, a, a special guest, and a special guest who's worked for uh, children's uh, writing, but also for grown-ups. We were having this discussion. Yes. <laughs> How do you describe your non-children's work? Because if you say uh, I write adult screenplays, it's got a slightly yeah. wrong connotation. Yes. Anyway, it's gone wrong a lot of times. Yes. That's <laughs> So a, very, a very special welcome to Roland Moore. Here he is, everyone. Hello. Roland Moore. Hello. Uh, he's written for Rastamouse, so that makes him an immediate legend. Yes. But he's that's also right. written for Doctors, which is the grown up stuff. That's right. And creator. Yes, this is the big news. Lead writer of uh, BBC's Land Girls, mm. which yes. is a daytime, wartime series. And how if long that makes any sense, daytime, wartime. <laughs> when, and when did that first hit the air? Um, that came out in 2009. Uh, so that long ago? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And it was to commemorate the 70th anniversary of the start of the war. Um, and so, yeah, I wrote that to yes. fit that, that um, brief. What we want to talk about, Roland, is about your journey, I suppose, really. Sure. So to what, Sheffield. Journey to Sheffield. <laughs> Not your journey to here, my friend. <laughs> I'm your emotional, confused, yes. your well, emotional journey. We particularly cornered you as well because uh, you're making and writing a family feature film, which yes. is obviously close to all our hearts, so that will come up later in the conversation. Yeah. But always with any special guest, we like to kind of go, okay, well, how did you start and what happened and all the kind of glorious ups and downs since, really. Sure, um, yes. Um, well, for me, I'd always made up stories um, to entertain my grandparents when I was a child. Um, sort of I used to have a book that was one of my nan's fiction books that I used to pretend I'd, I'd read my own stories from it that I'd make up on the spot um, always with fantastic cliffhangers because she loved that yeah. and so it's an early example of sort of seeing what an audience liked and, <laughs> and sort of playing to that strength um, and then when I started work and sort of having to earn a living um, I was very lucky to have a job where I was left to my own devices a lot mm. Um, I called it research, so I had to go to sort of libraries and things and spend a lot of time researching. Um, but during that time, I was able to write plays. Um, we must never tell them this, um, so hopefully it won't get out. <laughs> and um, so I'd sort of, sort of basically um, write plays and also do my obviously my day job. But um, so that allowed me to put on plays on the London Fringe. Oh, okay. Um, Yourself, I mean, completely. Yeah, wow. yeah. And so I was producing, so I didn't really realise it was it was that at the time. It's um, so I produced plays. I'd also go to Edinburgh, sort of, um, and perhaps save up the whole year to make that trip, because um, Edinburgh is a fantastic thing to get new work on. You get an instant reaction, but it does cost quite a lot yeah. of money to do. Um, so that would be like instead of having a holiday I'd save up go to Edinburgh for a month and or a couple of weeks um, um, what, 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 why did you what was it about writing plays that made you want to do that mm. was it did you have uh, the big screen and the small screen in mind but you knew whether you thought that was slightly inaccessible for a newbie so you thought well at least I can put a play on or did you actually love 
did you love the theatre but actually now you found other interests along the way yeah I mean I had no career plan um, and I think most writers don't it's quite haphazard um, but for me plays were something immediate I could do um, yes you needed to have a theatre or a pub or whatever that would say yes I'm going to put it on but beyond that it was fairly quick you know you could write a play a comedy or whatever and perhaps sort of three months later you could have it in front of an audience you know um, it wasn't like I thought, oh, this is the road to TV. Um, I, I love TV, but um, it just wasn't on my radar, really, because I thought, how do I get into TV? I don't know anybody in TV. Um, and so doing plays allowed me to get a platform for my work. Yeah. Um, and the first time you hear an audience laugh at something you've written, uh, when it's supposed when to it's be coming. funny. <laughs> <laughs> Stress that. <laughs> don't Brackets. laugh at this harrowing scene I've written but yeah and what actually what type of uh, genres were those early plays was it you kind of kitchen sink dramas was it comedy sketches or what was it that you were actually doing at that time um, well to start with I was quite into sort of trying to be a sort of serious playwright so I re- used to write things that were a bit like Christopher Durang um, where it's sort of like sort of quite psychological comedies um, that were sort of biting his, his comedies not mine but they were sort of bitingly funny but also with a serious sort of psychological stuff going on there um, and that's what I was trying to emulate to start with um, but then fairly early on I came in across a group called the Sitcom Trials in London oh yeah yeah I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. and they were great because well they're still going um, but what they allowed you to do was write comedy and get it on in front of an audience, perhaps within a week, you know, it's like a really short-term turnover. Um, a pub audience would be unforgiving, so as a training ground it was fantastic because you got instant reaction. Um, there was nowhere to hide if something wasn't funny, you know, it was <laughs> a sort of baptism of fire. So that really helped me hone stuff. Um, and around that time they were doing a TV show of it, um, and I managed to get a TV um, slot with one of my sitcoms. And it was a, a little thing called um, Can We Get There's Dennis, which was about a producer who was struggling. Sort of, she was this sort of nightmare character, um, full of her own importance, but um, and so about her making her way in the world. Um, and so I was lucky enough to get that as a TV thing. Um, and that was great. And who was that with? What, what company was doing those pilots um, at that sort of stage? I, f- I don't know. I think it was produced by HTV themselves. Yeah, 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 um, yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like a regional ITV thing. Yeah, um, yeah, it was yeah. shown sort of Friday nights yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. in the region. Yeah. Um, but fantastic to get a credit. Um, and the way it worked was it was an extension of the live show. So it was a broadcast live with, with two alternative endings. The audience at home would vote. Um, yes, perhaps beyond ahead of its time, really. Um, the audience would vote on which one they wanted to see the end of. Um, and I, I didn't win, um, but, <laughs> but it was great to get my work on TV. Yeah, yeah. Um, How long ago was that? That was 2002, I think. Right. Um, and around that time, I also wrote a children's show, which was called Meow, a game for ITV. Um, a friend of mine um, managed to sort of put me forward for this and um, that was great fun it was a 10 minute animation about a cat that played football and sort of you know when you're an adult and you're talking on the phone to a producer about 
can an elephant score a goal? And you're just talking about this stuff as if it's real, you know. And you suddenly think, this isn't a real job. This is, <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. This is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and so I had those two sort of strands going, sort of comedy and children's. We, were you by that point? Just because a lot of people are interested in the nitty gritty, the bits that's not talked about. By this point, were you earning a living as a writer, and we, or were you still having to do other jobs to make ends meet? Yeah, um, no, I wasn't living, uh, earning a living at it. Right, um, it was sporadic. It was um, so it was a sort of uh, all-embracing hobby at this time, I guess. You know, so every spare minute I could write, I would, um, and then my sort of next jump was to get commissioned by um, Yorkshire Television to write a two-part thriller for ITV. So it's quite a jump. That's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> from a football-playing ele- <laughs> yeah. football cat. You know. um, and that was fantastic, because suddenly I was writing sort of two 90-minute thriller scripts with a cliffhanger and for ITV, and uh, that was great. Um, uh, it was an early lesson into the fact that not everything you're commissioned to do gets made, because mm. it, it was never made. Uh, but a fantastic learning experience and I think as you go on you sort of think everything you do is, is almost like gives you sort of validation and continued confidence that you can do it you know and so when people believe in you enough to um, whether it's to just laugh at the stuff you've written in a pub or to commission you to write a drama series you know it's it's all validation because um, like, like all writers you go through phases of confidence and um, thinking of inability you know and, um, so it's, it's great to have that sort of attitude I think sort of think yeah whatever wins you're getting it's it's sort of validation yeah absolutely it's very important so do you, you you obviously had at that point one one foot in the children's world because of your work on Meow yes but then you've got also sort of thrillers and all sorts of other things going on there's almost what was shown then mm. are you still in a way on that double pronged journey even today yes yeah it's like um, being at the children's media conference um, it's a fantastic event um, and I tell sort of producers what I've done um, and sort of say about land girls or whatever um, and they sort of say well when did you start writing for children is it a new thing mm. but no it's always been in parallel yeah. and Rasta Mouse was written at the same time as Land Girls, so I was writing like <laughs> 1940s dialogue and um, Ireman, yeah, yeah. <laughs> respect. So um, that, that was quite a good juggling exercise. Yeah, yeah. Hope you didn't get any copy and paste errors. You know, <laughs> you know how it works. Yeah, that's great. And um, what's your kind of ambition moving forward? I know you talked about there is no career path, kind of mm. do what comes along, but if you could. If you could have a sort of a dream for the next ten years or something, yes. where would you want to go, and what more would you want to be doing? Um, it's really difficult to say because um, one of my big ambitions was to write my own series, um, and so that was a fantastic day when that happened. Um, now, so and I've, that was just an idea you had and you pitched, or were you responding to a kind of a, a brief, a, a, a brief of yeah. some description to do with that anniversary? Yeah, there was a, a brief that went out to writers about um, do something to commemorate the start of the war, um, and I naively at the time thought Land Girls would be set in a field, so it'd be very cheap as a period drama. Um, it wasn't in the end, but um, so that's where, where the initial idea came from. Um, but you know, I had sort of quite a mixture of sort of motives, really, because um, 
it had never been done as a drama series, um, the subject of Women's Land Army. Um, and so I thought, as a writer, I thought that's great. There's potential here for drama, lots of stories. Um, also, female leads, which I love writing, female characters. Mm. Um, and so, you know, there were, there were specific things we had in the show which would be things like the female characters would never be saved by man. Um, we didn't want that sort of thing because they were such resourceful women in real life. Um, it would sort of seem wrong somehow to have that opt out. Um, and there was a sort of social aspect to it because of thinking people don't know about them in terms of history. Yeah. Um, and so you could tell these amazing drama stories, female characters, and do a bit of sort of social good in a way of... Mm. Um, you know, and we got lovely comments back from sort of, say, children who'd never heard of land girls and what they did. Um, and it's no understatement to say we would have lost the war without them because mm. they were growing our food. Um, the, the pesky U-boats were stopping everything coming mm. through. So, was that? Uh, did you pick that because you always had an interest in that, or was it about when you had that brief? You mm. thought, well, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of have a little bit of a research and, and, and have a look around for where there's maybe untold stories. Yeah, um, the idea was there before, um, but it was certainly something I developed. Um, I think, like most writers, I have loads of ideas. Um, some of them you progress, some of them you just put away for a while. And Land Girls was one that was, was put away for a while and then came out because the brief fitted it. It was The time was right, you know. Um, but the, the initial proposal for it was probably about uh, probably about five pages long. It's quite short. Um, I always believe in writing short proposals because um, people reading them don't have a lot of time or exactly, yeah. interest to, to read a lot. <laughs> you know, it's, they get so many things on their yeah, desk. Of course, yeah. And um, <coughs> well, was, we went to Media City recently, and we were just sitting in the hotel lobby or having a chat or something. Langroth was on. Uh, in the background, but the sound wasn't there. Ah. Uh, but even just visually, and not in terms of production budget, because it looked nice, mm. but visually the storytelling was mm. like there's something interesting going on there. Mm. That's a good show. You could tell there was a quality going on with it. Mm. Yeah, brilliant. Like, mm. I really like that when you kind of notice something even though you can't hear it. Yes. Um, so that was really good. Yeah. Just a side little tangent there. Yeah. Good, good one. <laughs> let's, I'd let's, like, yes, I'll just say it has been sort of dubbed into loads of different languages. And so I'd, I'd actually love to see those versions, um, like a, you know, a German version of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. And um, obviously, I'm guessing that you've got some other ideas that you're trying to get off the ground that have other, other series and so on. How are you finding that you are received? Are people you know, really interested to know what you're doing next, yeah. you know, the commissioners and so on? Um, it varies. I mean, I'd, I'd say personally that it's always best to go via a production company um, rather than straight to a commissioner, um, just because it gives you a chance to sort of reflect on your idea. Um, a production company can give you sort of script editing help with something, um, often pointing out something that may not work, you know, that you, you're blind to. Um, so I'm very open to that collaborative thing. Um, and then when they think it's ready... I'm happy to go to a channel with them um, if that helps. Um, sometimes that's a good thing, sometimes not. You know. Um, but, uh, so since since Land Girls, I managed to get another series off the ground, which was in in China. Wow! And um, so it was quite a departure. It was yeah. a 
contemporary series called um, Noodle, and um, it's a sort of Anglo-Chinese um, production. Um, and so that was great because it's um, totally different from Land Girls. The only perhaps similarity is its female characters in, in the spotlight again. Okay, um, great. And then let's jump forward to uh, two hours. Two hours, yes. Uh, how did that come about? <laughs> Not jump, is... jumping forward two hours in time. We've jumped forward two hours in time. You heard it, you heard it, <laughs> listeners. You heard that little edit. There's a big edit gone, yeah. <laughs> two hours is the name of Roland's new family feature film. That's right. We've got involved in it. Myself and Danny have got involved in it in a small way, but trying to support it because it's in the sort of style of Nelson that make in the fact that it's a live action uh, indie film. Fi- family film yeah, yeah. and we, yeah. Like, we want it to be a part of it but how did that come about then because sure. again that's a, like another another thing entirely almost isn't it yeah um, yeah. thanks for your support I mean it's much appreciated and um, I, th- I think certainly through N- Nelson Nutmeg it showed me it's possible to do what you've done um, which is a fantastic achievement and it's uh, a gap in the market you know there's there aren't many live action children's or family mm. films out there mm. um, with two hours it was an example again of one of those things we have an idea and then you perhaps put it away for a while until the time's right um, with this I, I pitched to a competition run by the film council um, the 25 words or less one 25 oh, words or yeah, less yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I got shortlisted. Uh, I didn't win the substantial mm. cash prize, mm. which was <laughs> would have changed everything. But, um, but the pitch was <coughs> sort of commended, and they said it had sort of elements of Back to the Future mm. about it. They really liked that it would be a really emotive, funny film. Um, and the pitch was. Um, I should have learned this. <laughs> the, the pitch was. Um, I'm counting the amount of words. Yeah, it's over 25. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this podcast is over. Don't don't count all the ums and ahs. Um, so yeah, it's the, the original pitch was um, slacker schoolboy Tim discovers um, he's got 20, um, 25 words to live. No, he's got two hours to live, um, and so it's yeah. How, how does he spend that time? Yeah, that wasn't it, but it was something like that. Yeah. Um, so the whole nub of the story was this boy who's basically this teenager who's wasted his time, has no regard for time or, or even people around him, um, suddenly has to go on this amazingly quick journey of discovery when he discovers he's got two hours to live. It's a comedy uh, and it's... So as I say, I, I put that away after it did quite well in the competition. Um, and about a year ago, I met um, James Newton, who's um, a director um, based in, in Brighton. And um, we chatted. We, we met each other off Twitter. So it was one of those internet meetings oh, where, yeah, you, yeah. where you tell your wife where you're going. And um, just in case... <laughs> Here's the emergency number. <laughs> yeah, in case of contact. Yeah. But, yeah, he was, turned out to be a lovely guy, as I thought he would be. <laughs> um, he probably told his wife the same thing. Mm. Um, and so we had a few meetings uh, and... We sort of saw what you guys were doing, um, and thought actually, you know, this would be great to do a, a similar sort of family yeah. film here because it is possible. So it was very much the template, um, and so I went from having that twenty-five word pitch to creating a treatment, um, which was quite long. I think I, I think it was about thirty pages or so. Wow! Um, so it's quite detailed yeah. in terms of story beats. Um, I've realised that's the way I like to work now is that 
um, the more detail from doing a treatment, you get all the structural stuff out of the way. Once all that works, then you've got um, the script is relatively straightforward because you don't have to worry about structure. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, it went from treatment to script. Um, First draft was December last year. Great. Um, Oh, it's really cracking on. Yeah. Yeah. Fast-paced project in that way. So after being put away in the drawer for a while, (laughs) it's suddenly... Apart from that part. Apart from that bit. (laughs) It's been an overnight thing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And, yeah... And I think I think it's worth thinking that whatever projects you have, they, they have an age to them, a time where um, well, some of them you'll get out, out of the bottom drawer and they won't be appropriate anymore. You know, times move on, or um, they perhaps out of step, or someone's done something very similar. Um, but projects really do have their own time, um, and so some things come around really quickly. Other things wait a bit to ferment. And did you even, uh, <clears throat> after you had that meeting and you both got excited about this idea from the past, <laughs> re- reinvigorating it, did you even try to think, let's go to see you know, some of the, our big business friends, if you like, and, and pitch right. it to them? Or did you just go, no, let's just, let's just crack on and, and do it. We won't even attempt to go to... You know uh, any film companies, film production mm. companies, or BFI, or anyone like that. What, 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 sure. did, what was your approach at the start? Um, the approach was, I think, much more sort of uh, insular to start with, because um, as it was a fairly quick process when it, from that point, um, the main concern I had was writing the, the treatment and mm. the script. It wasn't even thinking what's going to happen to it after that. Um, and it becomes a bit of a sort of exercise in terms of a personal thing. I want to I want to finish this script because I really like the idea. I've always believed in this idea, um, and so you you just get such a buzz out of finishing the first draft of it. Um, and so I wasn't really thinking of the bigger picture. Um, so in parallel, James was sort of making calls and um, he got sort of make like productions on board um, who've been fantastic in terms of pushing it forward um, and you know thing, the thing he was finding was that everyone he was pitching it to absolutely loved it they loved the idea it's a it's a really big high concept mm. um, and so to marry that with a sort of um, fairly low budget film um, was was a great challenge but also something really great because we knew the idea was so strong and uh, obviously now it's on crowdfunding it's on Indiegogo yes. almost 100% there thank but you with about a week to go I think still still people can give I'm sure there'll I'm be the, an opportunity to, you thing, know, yeah. don't worry still can uh, keep making the film uh, even better but was this the first thing that you've gone through that process of crowdfunding as well um, was, that, was that new to you? It was, yeah. I've never used it before. I've, um, I've supported a few films before. Um, never used it myself. Um, never really been in this position where I've um, sort of had to think about using it. Um, I thought you were going to ask me the website address for the Indiegogo, but there's no chance I'll remember that because no. I can't even remember a 25-word pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll put it up. We'll put, you could go yeah. Google it as we, well. we will put the link on, yeah. the, on the description. So if, yeah. if this was a video, I'd be pointing to the bottom of the screen. Yeah, 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 yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah. And that's where it would come up yeah. magic. Yeah. Picture that at home, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what's happening. Um, yeah, so it's a new experience, and everyone has been so amazing. Um, 
both sort of retweeting all about it, sharing it on Facebook, um, and actually supporting the film themselves. Um, I think also it's some great advice that um, Make Light Productions got about how to do it, um, which involves sort of some great perks. Um, so various people can be extras in the film. Um, some people can be supporting artists. Um, but we've also got people like Carl Stryker involved, who's um, this really established urban artist okay. who's doing some art for the film. Because um, Tim in the film is a graffiti artist mm. in his spare time. Um, and he's also given us some limited edition exclusive T-shirts and bags um, as, as perks. Yeah. Know, which, um, so all this sort of thing I think helps. And um, as I say, it's all new to me. Um, but it looks like it's gone fantastically. Yeah, well. That's gone really well. Yeah, yeah, well done on that. Yeah. And would you want to be doing more of the same? What you know? What do you think uh, is next? You know, do you want to do more of this kind of yeah. self making it, just getting out there stuff? Because it almost links back to your early days with the plays. You know, yeah. it's almost come back round to that, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's um, something to consider. I mean, about three years ago, I, I produced a comedy pilot myself. Um, and that was a fantastic experience because that was proper producing. I think when I when I've done plays, um, it's a bit more sort of organic how that happens. But actually producing something that's going to be filmed is was totally new. I was sort of suddenly being an organizer, um, suddenly telling the director what I wanted, you know, which was bizarre because normally I'm encouraged to keep away from the director, <laughs> right to stand over there. You know, it's um, so it was weird to be the person in charge. Um, but I really enjoyed it. It's a totally different set of muscles. Yeah, mm. that's right. But I think more writers should get involved in that way. I mean, you started in that way, if you like, by yeah. the first things you were writing, you were, you were making. You were already uh, proactive, yeah. And I think more writers need to get into that and see themselves not as just writers, but kind of content originators, mm. you know, and, and taking things as far as they can on their own some things you can't do on your own or whatever but let's go as far as yeah. we can because like you say you want to get that feedback don't you yeah. to help you learn your craft but also just to just to be interesting and mm. tell an interesting stories <laughs> to people because that's what it's about isn't it at exactly. the end of the day yeah I think the advantages are you, you know you get your stuff out there um, but you also being a producer of your own work means you control the tone of it um, yeah. a lot more um, I mean I'm, I'm very collaborative and I think every medium of TV and film, every, everything you do in that is collaborative. And if you've got to embrace like the script editor, the producer, the director, they're all going to have ideas. Even the cast may want to rewrite Ooh. stuff. Um, so it's that sort of dividing line between wanting to control your own work and being open to collaboration, which, which in my opinion is always a good thing because um, who's to say I'm going to have the best idea? You know, someone else may have a great way of fixing a problem in a script. Exactly, exactly. Right, well, we better wrap it up there, listeners. Yeah. Um, so thanks for thanks to Roland, but thanks to you guys listening for suffering bit, through bit the noisy. the noisiness at the Children's Media Conference where we're having a fantastic time yeah. already. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's it. been a great session. And if you are interested in uh, the, 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 the children's world, then, you know, try and come along um, next year if you can. Uh, because it's a really friendly place, I found. You know, it's, it's, great, it's, really, yeah. it's been good, hasn't it, Danny? So yeah. we've had a, we've had a good time. So just a couple of uh, things to end on. Obviously, keep listening. 
yeah. uh, keep subscribing to the uh, podcast if you want to check out more about two hours it's spelled in the funky way which is two colon HRS yes so yep. if you search it if you search for that it'll be much easier than searching for two hours which will just give you a load of train times or something <laughs> so two colon HRS two hours uh, or search for Roland Moore or Roland Moore yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll, you'll, find, you'll find it straight off there and um uh, if you want to listen to more podcasts, you can go to ukscriptwriters.podomatic.com. We don't know how you've listened to this one. Yes. Bless you for trying anyway. We didn't introduce ourselves. I mean, we've been Tim Clegg and Danny Stack, and we still are. We still are. <laughs> this isn't, doesn't change. But that doesn't change. So this is the UK Scriptwriter Podcast, and just in case you didn't know. And we're finishing this episode. Yeah, thank, thank you for having me. Yay. Thank you. Bye then, everyone. Bye. Bye.